The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 15th and 16th chapters. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus said, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming, when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father, nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. The test of a prophet is not whether he is inspiring or exciting or whether he shows signs and wonders to enthrall those who are looking on. The test of a prophet is not the ways that people in our world test for inspiration. The test of a prophet is simple. Does he speak the truth? So God gave instructions to the people of Israel in the book of Deuteronomy that if somebody spoke as a prophet, they were not to ask what kinds of signs and wonders he showed, but instead they were to ask which God is he drawing them to? If he says, let us go after other gods, like those golden calves that were built throughout the history of Israel by Aaron and King Jeroboam, let us go after other gods. If that's what the prophet says, then it doesn't matter what signs and wonders he shows. It doesn't matter how exciting or engaging or eloquent he is. None of that matters if he is not speaking the truth. There's a sharp contrast between what our flesh craves in terms of experience and emotions and feeling, a sharp contrast between that and the truth. Jesus tells us today that his spirit is not a spirit of thrills, not a spirit of excitement or enthusiasm, but is the spirit of truth. Now, I find this to be incredibly comforting, especially on a day like today when perhaps because of a long weekend you're all a little bit tired and with a little bit of rain this morning your eyes are perhaps a bit droopy like mine are. What, what matters this morning is not that we be thrilled out of our seats to be here listening to some inspiring speaker. What matters is that Christ is here giving us his spirit of truth that his words are truth and that they lead us into all life. That is what matters, whether you are energetic or sleepy, whether you are enthusiastic or a bit bored. What matters is that Christ is here with his spirit. That answers the question that often comes up, where should I go to church or what am I looking for in a church? Maybe you've heard objections before to certain kinds of churches, things that people might say like, I didn't really feel the spirit there. I didn't really feel like I was getting anything out of that worship. I didn't really feel like it was a religious experience. That kind of talk is dangerous because feelings, of course, are fickle. 
They come and go, they ebb and flow, depending on what you've eaten the night before. Your feelings might change dramatically. So the question when you're thinking about where you ought to go to church or what you're looking for in church is not, how do I feel about this? That will mislead you. Instead, ask this, did I hear the truth? Now, the truth is not what the world thinks it is, relative and subjective, where you can have your truth and I can have my truth and we can all just agree to disagree and everybody will be happy. The truth is fixed and absolute and it is bound up in the gospel. This is the truth that matters above all else. The truth that though you are a sinner worthy of eternal death, Christ died for you. When you wonder what you should be looking for, when you wonder what kind of an experience you should be aiming at, that is all that you need. Have I heard the truth? Did Christ die for my sins? Have I been made holy by his precious blood and his sacrifice? Have I been given a new heart and a new spirit, in fact, the spirit of God, the spirit of truth? Feelings come and go. There are lots of ways to produce feelings. You know this if you've ever watched a movie. If you've ever watched a movie on mute, it is a completely different kind of experience from watching a movie with a soundtrack behind it. The kind of music that is played in movies to make you petrified or excited or calm or enthusiastic or whatever it might be, music can do all of that to you. It's easy. It's easy to manipulate your feelings. Colors and sights and sounds, they can all manipulate your feelings. That's why casinos are painted red, because that's how they get you to feel like spending your money, like giving your money away. Your feelings are easy to manipulate. Marketers know this. Social media experts know this. You should know this, that your feelings ebb and flow. And if you were to monitor your feelings alone, your life would look like a roller coaster, up and down, back and forth, with absolutely no grounding whatsoever, with no explanation at all. Your feelings might swing from one day to the next. So here's the key. When your feelings change, especially when your feelings about God's word, about church, about Christ and what he has done for you, when your feelings change, don't blame that on the Holy Spirit. Don't think that the Holy Spirit is somehow manipulating your feelings. He is here with one thing and one thing only, the truth. The truth that sets you free. Now, feelings are very attractive. They are more glamorous than the ordinary stuff of life. The ordinary ins and outs of sitting and listening, of being washed by baptism, by eating and drinking the body and blood of Jesus, those things are so ordinary. Confessing the creed, saying the Lord's Prayer feels ordinary and mundane. Wouldn't we like to have a bit of a thrill or a bit of excitement? Wouldn't we rather have something more glamorous, something that excites us and enthralls us? Of course, feelings are attractive. They draw us along, but, but... You know this. Feelings draw us often where we should not go. Strong feelings make you lose your inhibitions. It's a bit like being drunk. So when you have strong feelings, you get carried away by them. You're carried away where you should not go to think and say and do things that you should not do. Your feelings can draw you so easily away from what God says and from what he gives you as good and right and true. 
And so if you let your feelings govern how you make decisions in life, and worst of all, if you blame that on the Holy Spirit, He has led me to this, you're going to make all kinds of deadly decisions concerning your life, and your work, and your love, and your family, and your friends, how you spend your time. If you think that your feelings are the final decision of what is good and right and true, you will, you will fall away. Just like if you make decisions, important decisions, while you're drunk. It's easy to make decisions when you're drunk. It's easy to make decisions when you're overwhelmed by your feelings. But feelings can be misleading. They mislead you worst of all in drawing you away from God's Word. After all, if the measure of truth, if the work of the Spirit is to produce feelings in your heart, then you don't need God's Word, do you? You don't need baptism and the Lord's Supper. If all you need is a high, some excitement and some enthusiasm, then what business are you doing here? You can find feelings in other places. You can manufacture them on your own. The worst consequence is this. We lose sight of God's means of grace. The ways that he has promised to give us his spirit. The ways that he has promised to give us forgiveness and life and salvation. We confess this in the creed. I believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who calls me not with feelings but by the gospel, by the truth. The Holy Spirit who enlightens me with his gifts, these ordinary, mundane, everyday things like the word of God in prayer, like the creed, like the Ten Commandments, like baptism, which happened so long ago, like the Lord's Supper, which you eat and drink, perhaps even without thinking about what you are consuming. If feelings are all that we need, then we have no use of the gifts that God has given us. If you find yourself wanting something else, something other than what Christ gives you in his church, if you find yourself wanting a thrill or some excitement or some enthusiasm, repent. It's not the fault of God's gifts. It's not the fault of his word. It's not the fault of his spirit of truth. It's our own sinful hearts, like Adam and Eve's hearts that wanted something better something other than what God gave them. But God is not stingy in his gifts. He gives us so much through these ordinary means. He gives us so much day in and day out by feeding us with his word, even when we don't feel like it, even when we feel nothing at all, still he feeds us. What a marvel that he is so steady, so steadfast, and immovable, even as we go up and down and back and forth, he does not change. His love for us does not change. His forgiveness for us is beyond measure, regardless of how you feel. That, that is the most precious treasure. That is the most precious bit of truth, that no matter how you feel about God, he feels the same towards you as he ever has. He loves you, to the point of sending his son to die for you and to make you his witnesses. Jesus said that the Spirit bears witness to him. The way that the Spirit does that is through God's word. That's how you learn who Christ is and what he has done for you. But God also makes you witnesses to Christ as well. Think about what that means. In your lives, what you say and what you do are like lights shining into this dark world. It's like a call to clarity and truth in this twisted generation. That's what your lives are like. 
because God has made you witnesses to Christ. That's why how you live your lives matters immensely. You say that you believe, but you trust in God for every good thing, that you have received from Him salvation, forgiveness of sins, and eternal life. You say that you believe that. Do your lives reflect it? If they do not, if they do not, you give a false witness to the world. It's like if you, if you were to give a recommendation to someone. You have some toothpaste that you really love. I don't know why I thought of toothpaste. You have some toothpaste that you really love, or you say that you really love it. I'll vouch for this toothpaste. This is the best toothpaste there ever was. It makes your teeth, your teeth shiny white, wonderful toothpaste. You say this to all your friends, and then your friends come over, and there they are in your bathroom, washing their hands, and they see sitting on the counter some other toothpaste. Not the toothpaste that you've recommended. They would have reason to wonder, why did they lie to me about this? They said they believed in this toothpaste, that this was the best toothpaste there was. Why aren't they using it themselves? You say that you trust in God for every good thing. If you do not live lives in accord with that faith, that is, if you do not hear God's word and obey, and if in the face of death and the devil you do not put your hope in God and what he has done for you, then no one no one in your life can see the glory of God's love for you. They will not see and receive the spirit of truth from your witness. And so, live according to God's promises. Be the witnesses that God has made you to be. Shine his light into the world and see the marvel of God's love for everyone around you. The spirit bears witness to Christ in your lives. He's the spirit of truth. Truth is sometimes painful, in fact, perhaps often painful, always painful when it comes into conflict with our sinful nature. The truth that our hearts are set on things contrary to God's law, that our desires are contrary to what is good and true and holy. It's painful to hear that truth. But Christ speaks that truth to us. He doesn't hold anything back. He tells us how we truly are, so that he can give his whole self to you. He tells you how desperate you are in your sins so that you can hold on to him entirely, not hoping in anything else. That matters, as Jesus says, because there is trouble coming. This is the last part of our lesson. There's trouble coming. St. Peter puts it this way, Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you. If in the face of temptation, if in the face of persecution or distress, when your family and friends insult you for the name of Christ, when your own flesh rebels against what God says, if your faith is resting on feelings, you'll be like the man who built his house on sand. It will wash away. There is no way that your feelings can stand up in the face of persecution. The devil is better than that. There is no way that your feelings can stand up in the face of temptation when you are drawn to things that God says are unholy and ungodly. There is no way that your flesh can stand up in the face of doubt and despair when the devil throws your sins back in your face. There's no way that your feelings can last. Thanks be to God that he gives us something better. So that in the face of tribulation, so that when the fiery trial comes, you do not have to be afraid. When the world turns against you as it has and as it will to the end of your life, you can stand and be like that man who built his house 
on a rock, on solid ground, on ground that is unchanging and unmoved and will never let you down, on the ground of the truth, the truth of God's word, which says that your sins, though they are great, are overshadowed and outdone by God's grace and love for you. That though devils all the world should fill, eager to devour you, Christ is holding you safe in his arms. That he is a good shepherd, and his goodness is shown in this, that he lays down his life for you. That is what stands in the day of temptation. That's what stands in the day of trial. Do not abandon that hope for anything. Not for the greatest experience, not for the most earnest desires of your flesh, not for enthusiasm or excitement or any of those things. Do not abandon that for anything. This is how Christ saves you, by being reliable, by offering you comfort and assurance and his unchanging love for you. So keep coming back. Don't go looking elsewhere for hope. Keep coming back to the ordinary and the mundane ways that God saves you. Draw comfort and assurance from the fact that God is so ordinary, he's so commonplace, that you don't need to go looking for thrills. Instead, just come and sit at his feet and listen to his promises. And thereby you receive the spirit of truth, who will call to mind all the things that Christ has done for you, who will be your helper and your comforter and your friend. To God alone be all glory now and forever. Amen.